Okay, let's jump straight into it, H. So good evening. Welcome to episode 67 of the Racing One podcast. Good to have you with us. Just Harry and Anthony tonight. Uh, Joe, unfortunately, can't be in here. Um, but that's all good. We're going to talk about a few um, off-season topics today. Talk a little bit about Netflix, um, a few ratings from last year's racings, and and just a few things to look forward to as the season starts to starts to ramp up now. So Harry, good to have you on the show, mate. How you going? Good, mate. Good. How are you? Very good. Very good. Um, what I th- where I thought we would start tonight, um, just because I think Drive to Survive is just around the corner. We we mentioned it slightly last week, but I think we'll jump straight into it this week um, because it is like whether, you know, regardless of how people feel about Drive to Survive, some people love it, some people don't like it so much, some people think it's too much of a narrative or they they embellish it too much, some people think it's fantastic. Love it or hate it, it has set a number of trends, I think, since it's been introduced. It has change the perception of formula one in the you know the public opinion i mean you can talk to any number of sports fans now who have a a more vested interest in formula one because of it but i thought what kind of things since you watched formula one last year what kind of things are you looking forward to with drive to survive this year Um, were there any elements of the season that you want some more clarity on um I'm kind of interested in how they're going to keep it relevant for the whole series, considering that the season was tied up so early. So I want to see what kind of things they're going to do to make those last races meaningful as well. But when you think about Drive to Survive for this year, what kind of things are you looking for? Um, yeah, look, I think it'll be interesting to see how they go with the Daniel... Oscar Piastri, Fernando, mm. like the whole um, silly season that happened. I think they'll drag that out for a couple of episodes, to be honest. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they transition away from or how they begin transitioning away from Daniel as kind of one of the main stars of Drive to Survive and what kind of personalities start to take over because mm. obviously him not being in the sport this year, they're going to have to start looking at that. I'm interested to see, I don't know about you, but the last probably two seasons I've struggled to get through. Mm. I think when it first came out, we were so amped that there was something Formula One based. It, it became it became this massive thing. And us as fans kind of saw the embellishment that happened in season one and season two, but I still thought, you know, that the way that they did it was still really good. And I don't know if it's getting stale or if we're getting over the format, but it'll be interesting to see if they do anything different this season. Um, Max is back. So it'd be, that'd be cool to see as well. Mm. He took season three out, but um, what about you, mate? Well, I like your whole thing about, I'm interested to see how the McLaren saga plays out. I actually want to see, because Daniel has been very prominent throughout Mm -hmm. the whole life of Drive to Survive. He's probably the most popular person from the show. Um, It'll be interesting to see, because of his candid nature, um, how those interviews over the course of the season show the parting between him and McLaren, Mm -hmm. particularly around the time when there was conversation about McLaren potentially moving on from him. I think, like you said, the Oscar Piastri story is going to be really interesting to see both sides of the um, like the uh, 
Alpine side and the McLaren side. Obviously, they both thought they had a, a claim to who was doing the right thing, came out just with the court that McLaren kind of did nothing wrong. Um, so I want to see, you know, that is very interesting to me as well. Um, I think there's going to be a few, like, good stories. So I think I think Valtteri Bottas, his return to Alfa Romeo, uh, or he going to Alfa Romeo, I mean, he had a, you know, a, a good season. I think there's a story that can be told about Sebastian Levettel, you know, leaving the sport. That'll be an episode for sure, I think. Pardon? That'll be an episode for sure, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be more, I think it'll be like a Sebastian Vettel slash Mick Schumacher kind of story. Because mm-hmm. um, I yep. think, like, if, 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 if there's anyone working on that show that knows anything about Formula One and the field and they don't use that story, the kind of the um, father-son relationship from Michael to Sebastian then from Sebastian to Mick, I think that's a wasted opportunity. So I'll be interested to see if and what happens there. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The whole point that you made about the embellishment, I think it has got worse as the series has progressed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if last year was a step too far because for uh, Formula One said that they were going to have discussions with Netflix about keeping the show a little bit more true to the actual events of the season. Um, but I think it's really interesting. Um like love it or hate it, however you feel about the stories, how they tell the stories, no one can deny the effect it's had on Formula One. I mean, I think this, like the schedule this year, the three American races, just the fact that like as an Australian, the Grand Prix has sold out as quickly as it did twice um, when tickets were, were released. I mean, that goes to show... Um, how much of an impact it's had on fans going to the sport. I mean, I, I was at a Super Bowl when I watched the Super Bowl with a few cousins and mates today and the amount of people that were talking about, you know, are you going to watch Drive to Survive? Are you going to the Grand Prix or this kind of stuff? And, you know, I would say that they're relatively new fans to the sport. I mean, all of that has come from, you know, a show that's as that easily accessible on Netflix. So it's going to be interesting. I think... There are a few interesting stories to tell, and I, I obviously, well, not obviously. Ferrari. I think, I think behind the scenes of yeah, Ferrari would be good yeah. to see. Yeah, that's that will be a good story to be honest with you. I mean, um, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's probably going to be one of the better stories to tell, really. Lewis Just the, and George. Yeah, the underachievement, considering mm. how how much you know fanfare and and optimism there was to start the year, and then and then obviously you know becoming you know, lower than, than Mercedes by the end of the season will be very interesting. I think also Charles Leclerc had been pretty, he's a bit pretty popular person on the show as well. So, and he's pretty candid. So seeing um, how he portrays the season will be interesting as well. One thing that we do have to ask, well, I do have to ask you is this with Daniel Ricciardo being gone. I mean, he was the joking Larrick and Australian um, that kind of, you know, brought the enthusiasm, brought the energy to the show. Um, it kind of seemed like when he was, um, you know, on the show, it was a little bit, there was, it was him. It's obviously, all he, but, you know, he wasn't um, like shy to kind of show off a little bit to the camera to kind of make the yeah. episodes what they were. With him being gone, do you, can you see anyone in the field 
who picks up that mantle? Who's going to be the larrikin, jovial, kind of not so serious, like doesn't take themselves so serious that people can actually gravitate to and, and root for? Um, might be a bit left field, but it's only because he takes the piss out of himself on social media. But I think maybe Gasly. Yeah. Um, I think Lando's kind of, as he's matured, that jovial side of him has kind of disappeared a little bit. Mm. Um, so I don't know if, you know, he might pick up the slack a little bit, but Pierre's pretty good with that sort of stuff. Um, but other than that, mate, like time will tell, like Oscar could be that kind of Aussie larrikin, but we just don't know enough about him Mm. yet. Um, I'm going to throw one out. I'll throw two out actually. Mm. Number one, now that he's been, he's kind of reestablished himself in Formula One, I think Alex Albon could be a bit of a, not a larrikin, but he doesn't take himself too seriously and he's kind of found his feet again. He's being successful at Williams. I think we might see a little bit more out of Albon. I think also, and this is a really odd one, um, Kevin Magnuson. Oh, yeah. I don't think we've seen enough of K-Mag on the show. But he's definitely someone who really doesn't give a hoot about what people think about him. So I would Bottas? Be... Yeah, Valtteri, well, Valtteri's got a new lease on life. Oh, this is something we probably should talk about. I'm going to be super interested to see if this new super relaxed, super bogan Valtteri Bottas, like just being able to relax during the season, not having to worry about performing and trying to stay on par with your super successful teammate. How does that affect his racing this year? And I like positive, negative, what's your take? I reckon positively he's got some security and I don't know if you listen to beyond the grid, his interview that he did with Tom Clarkson. Um, he said a, a massive thing for him was getting security because he was on one year contracts at Mercedes every mm. year. So he felt like he was always battling for his future. I, I think he's his social media at the moment. It's good stuff. Mullet, the mullet, good the VB, like all of it. I absolutely love it. Mm. I, th- I think he's going to be, you know, he started off last season really, really well and kind of taped it off. I don't know if that's because the car taped it off. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. But um, they have the budget to develop like yeah. some of the other teams. But I think, yeah, he seems like a, like I thought he was a bit of a typical Scandi, you know. Um, very serious. Very serious, you know, just rock up, do your job and leave. But he's he's turned me around in the last six months. Like that guy is. Maybe his missus is rubbing off on him. Maybe. Maybe. He's got a mullet now, so. I like that. Botas might be one of the stars of the show. The other one that I was thinking about too, in, in you know, similar vein, George Russell, now that he, like he was kind of a bit of a joker, him, Lando, mm. Albon, they're also growing up too, so maybe they're at a point where they're a little bit more serious. But I don't know if last year was he was like going into the big team made him a little a little bit stiffer and if he loosens up a little bit this year. Um, but the thing is they're going to need someone or a couple of them to carry the show because we know that there are a number of drivers in, you know, Australia, like in the grid, Perez, uh, Verstappen, that are cut and dry. You know, they're mm. obviously there to race. They're not there to um, sell themselves as, you know, you know, to the public. Um, but I think having the the personable um, 
characters that people can root for, people who can support, people who can get on board with, um, is going to be really interesting. I also think, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, how I don't know how long the relationship between Hulkenberg and Magnuson stays cordial. Well, yeah, I guess we won't see that till yeah next year. But one of the most iconic exchanges is suck my balls, mate. Like that's golden content. That don't really care about what people think about them. They speak mm. their mind. Right now they're having a good joke about yeah. that comment. It'll be interesting to see how long it plays out. But yeah, drive to survive. Um what is it? The 24th of February. Something like that. Mm. Yeah, Very I'm not not as excited for this season as I have been previously. And I don't like, know if- yeah, I'm not either, but I do I want to be I want to be happily wrong about this. Yeah, same. Um, because I mean, uh, like any fad or like anyone who doesn't want something to just turn into a past fad. Hmm. Formula One's continued like we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, there are some people who only interact with Formula One through um, Drive to Survive. Uh, yeah. They're not willing. They're not willing to watch the races. Or they can't watch the races, or they don't have the time to watch the races. So, for them, the engagement with Formula One occurs purely in the months months of February and March, and that's fine for those fans. But if they, for whatever reason, get bored of it uh, and stop tuning in every year well, then Formula One has a problem, particularly if they haven't been able to take those casual fans, those, you know, fans of the opera or of the drama of the sport and turn them into your more traditional fans that are going to engage with the racing on a fortnightly basis. So mm. it'll be interesting to see how they um, present this year. Um, you'd hope that they have, like they, the first couple of years, it was very first couple of races in the first episode, then they changed it to telling the story of a few drivers. So they've changed it up a little bit to keep it fresh, but it'll be interesting to see how they um, kind of um, revolutionize mm. or, you know, innovate again this year. Um, but what yeah, now season five, isn't it? Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, wow. Something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's they've had a good, like chunk of time. And I think it's like anything, you know, you watch any, like with a TV show after five, seven years, you can stop, you know, and like they stop yeah. for the same reason. So, um, because they just can't keep reinventing themselves. So for a show like that, how they continue to reinvent can keep it fresh, keep it new. Mm. Um, you know, it's a good, it's a big challenge for them, I guess, to, to have to resolve, but yeah, 100%. 20, 24th of 22nd or 24th of Feb. Um, and I think we'll do a few reaction episodes to that mm-hmm. show. We said we're going to do it last year. Let's do it this year. <laughs> I think um, it's just before testing. Mm, mm, yeah. What about yeah. jumping from drive to survive? Um, another thing that we I wanted to talk about today was the um, car reveals. Mm-hmm. So far, we've had half the teams present their cars. We've had Red Bull. Um, if you haven't seen it, just think about last year's car. Um, <laughs> we've had the um, Haas with the MoneyGram livery on it this year. Quite an impressive design, I have to say. We've seen Williams, very similar to last year's as well. We've seen the Alpha Tauri, which came out most recently. Um, and 
and is that the it? alpha? Yeah, alpha, alpha Romeo. Yeah. So give me out of those five teams your top three and why. Uh, all right. Out of those five top three, I'm going to go the Alpha first. The Alpha Romeo. Alpha Romeo. Yep. I yep. think that that looks. I think changing it from white to black, and mm. it seems like they've all gone a black route this year or a really dark color. But um, that Alpha Romeo just looks epic. I think second, I'm going to go with Red Bull just because it's iconic. Even though it's the same, it is an iconic livery, and we're going to look back at it like we look back at the McLarens of the '80s and '90s. The you know the red and white. Mm. Livery. I think it's just going to be one of those that, that is timeless. That, that livery, like it doesn't change. And I made the joke about it before that just look at last year's car, but it's one of those liveries that doesn't really need to. No. Like it is a, that well designed. The only the only thing that I saw about it that I thought could have been addressed is you see a lot of the new te- a lot of the teams now have got like some kind of design on the wheel plates to yep. kind of make them not look like some just basic black hub mm-hmm. um and they were the only one that hadn't done it and i kind of was hoped that they would like i mean the um alpha towery one is really quite intricate quite a nice design the alpha amaze is always quite nice as well um so i kind of saw that and i thought you know you could do a little bit more there but as for the design of the car i mean it's as iconic as they come um you know the only thing i would say is i'd love to see them return to the Seb Federal Championship years, the, that blue, I think that the blue that's kind of on the cans. With the pinstripes. Like just that that livery back then mm. is probably one of my favourites. Like that livery is just awesome. Mm. But, but you know, this they've had this one since probably 2015 or 16 or something. Mm. So it's been around for a while. I think since Ricardo's second year there. <laughs> yeah, which would have been 15, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So. So, that, so number one was Alfa Romeo, number two, Red Bull, number three. I'm going to go with the Williams, I think. Mm. I like what they did with the, the airbox, the Duracell battery. I like. Cool, eh? I just, I didn't like it last year when it first got released. And then I saw it at the Grand Prix and I was like, that livery is actually really nice. Yeah, it's better in the flesh. And they've changed the design up a little bit and they've got a golf partnership, which Hopefully they bring out a, a, a special livery as well this year, they the golf have, one. The only thing I thought is they could have done more with that golf sponsorship. Well, they've got Duracell and golf, which are like an orangey, bronzy mm. colour. They could have incorporated that more, but <laughs> I don't really dislike the Alpha Tauri. I think it's just ugly and boring. That's my favourite car. Is it? Yeah. Jesus. That's my favourite car so far that's been released. I just Tell think it looks clean. I love, I love how they've kind of inverted it from last year. I'm a fan of. There's a three quarter angle of it, where it looks tidy. I think then just those pops of red as well for the Orlands, um, or Orland kind of. I really, I don't know. I for whatever reason, I dig that color scheme. Um, the wheel covers do look good on that one. Yeah, I'm a fan of that um, Alpha Tauri. That's my number one car. Yep. My number two is actually the Haas. I think that car's going to look pretty tidy when you can see more of it. All the all the pictures of it being released are on back backgrounds. Yep. But it's a striking, like it's very, like the same kind of thing as the Haas, it's, uh, as the Alpha Tower. It's a dark color, be it black or navy, mm. with a bit of white on it as well, and then your pops of red. So they've kind of, they're 
they're doing well for the same reasons, but it's good to see on the Haas a little bit more sponsorship money that's gone into it. So that's obviously bodes well for them. And I think my third favourite of the cars that have been released so far has to be the Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not it's not that I don't like the for I think the Red Bull's beautiful, but I just think it's just the same, same. as it's always been. So maybe I just don't react to it as much as I used to. Mm. Um, you know, but with all of this being said, we're supposed to be seeing the release of a McLaren today and an Aston Martin as well. Um, so Aston, Aston have changed their green again. Yeah, they went a bit more. They've gone with. I think what we're going to see is a car that's got a lot more of the dark green and the light green. Right. Um, so they used to have um, the world endurance car, the Aston Martin um, DB9 that they used to race there. Um, and it was a lighter green with, you know, flecks of the dark. And I think we're going to see a bit more of a two-tone green car as opposed to um, what we saw last year, just based on, like, because they've done the videos of their new uniforms, mm, and that's yeah. kind of what I was thinking when I saw that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But there's some nice cars this year, um, some really nice cars. It's making me very excited to go to the Grand Prix, to be honest with you. I think um, um, McLaren, from their uniforms and everything, I think they, they're going to implement more of that light blue colour throughout the car. Well, even the Indy cars this year have a lot of the light blue on them. Yeah. But last year's car did not. Touch me at all. Didn't I didn't get any touch you. <laughs> I had no, I had no feeling for that. So all I'm hoping is that it's a little bit a little bit more I don't know if traditional is the word I'm looking for, but whoever's designing those cars, if like like the two years before that beautiful, the year before mm-hmm. last beautiful, last year's was a turd. I hope that they've learnt from that. If you look at it like behind us, the top view, I loved it looking at it from the top. The Ferrari, uh, yeah, yeah. Because it was just orange and black. But then you, if you looked at it from the side, there was just too much colour going on, I think. so. Yeah, and I think, I think one thing that, I don't know if it was by design to kind of be provocative, but I just didn't think it worked. And I don't want to see Google Hubcups again this year. Oh, mate, McLaren's one big bloody billboard, so he's going to be... Well, I understand everywhere. why. I mean, they, they, they've they had their share of financial problems recently, mm. so I understand that they're going to want to put as much sponsorship on it, and I don't, I don't blame them for that. But, mate, you know, they're a huge company. I'm sure you've got a decent graphic designer in there. <laughs> Challenge him a little bit more, please. I mean, um, yeah, so... I don't know. So far, halfway through, I'm a fan of a lot of deliveries, to be honest with you, and hopefully over the next week we'll have a few more and we can, um, and we can, and we can go from there. Um, another talking point, something that I was reading today and I thought it would be interesting to talk about, we did raise it last week, was Andretti spoke to Forbes um, earlier in the week and he was talking about um, – the hesitancy from Formula One to uh, register his team. And he said, he kind of, he didn't kind of, he said that there's too many teams in Formula One that um, are run by greed. He said um, they don't want us to, or they're worried that we're going to take American sponsorships. They don't want to bring us in. Um, And they, 
even though there's the parachute payment of $200 million on entry to cater for that first season so that no team loses any prize money, um, they're worried that over the next um, 10 years, they're going to lose money based on those reasons that I've just addressed. Now, in and of itself, we can talk about the prudence of him talking as candidly as he did. Um, but Stefano, Stefano Domenicali came out again and criticised Andretti saying, you know, people want to make sure that there's a good team coming into the sport. He didn't think that criticising the other teams that you're going to have to get along with was a very smart option. Um, and one thing that he didn't give any clarity or confirmation on at all was whether this bid was getting, was, you know, any closer to a resolution. Um which is disappointing based on what we're talking about last year, last week, based on the news of, you know, Ford rejoining the sport. I mean, has your opinion of this situation changed anymore? The longer it's dragged out, does that start to affect um, the perception of Formula One for other teams that might want to join? Yeah, look, Dominicali uh, acts like all the teams are best of friends. Mm. Like, they're always fighting. So someone coming in and then not letting them come in saying something that's against the grain, it's not really, I don't think going to cause any major issues. Um, but I think if it's going to be this hard for teams to come in, the sport's not going to grow. Mm. Well, it it's, seems like they're more than happy to, for new teams to come in to buy out the existing ones, mm. um, which is kind of a net zero essentially because it's the same situation as before. Um, but, you know, with all this talk about expansion, accessibility, new markets, et cetera, new manufacturers coming in, for all the talk of it, um, it seems like the actual actions of the sport, and, you know, we keep hashing it out every fortnight or so, but it seems <laughs> like the actions that we're seeing fairly regularly now, I mean, a few times over the last month, um, are very much contrary to those statements yeah and i don't know what they're thinking like do they only want teams like audi or say if toyota wanted to come in would they let toyota come in mm. as a new team like is it just because it's andretti and they're they're not a manufacturer even though they've got manufacturer backing i just don't understand it but i've got a question for you how long do you think Red Bull, now that Dietrich is has passed away, holds on to AlphaTauri? Also, yeah, I was thinking about that really the last week because, um, well, I'll tell you why. Because there was, we have to talk about this as well. But there was the talk about McLaren rejoining with Honda. Yep. Um, this week, and we'll touch on that too. I reckon in a minute, but. You know, from the videos I was watching, they were saying really the only viable option for Honda to stay in the sport is to go with um, McLaren based mm -hmm. on what things are looking like moving forward. And it made me think, well, what if Honda, obviously the relationship with um, Red Bull is going to end with, in 2026, what if they just wanted to straight up buy AlphaTauri? So they, would buy it. they wouldn't have to reinvest in setting up, you know, new workstations for the team. Mm -hmm. They could keep it in Italy if they wanted to. Uh, it would definitely be 
reasonable if they wanted to have the design team there and the and keep having the engines um, developed in Japan. Um, I think that's a really reasonable thing for them to do with the new, um, you know, director of the company who's very much supportive of their ambitions in Formula One coming in, um, you know, with the, the move or to the next, you know, generation of engine in 2026, I could see them very easily buying AlphaTauri. Um, yep. And I wouldn't think that um, Red Bull kind of has a need for AlphaTauri anymore because of the fact, because of the um, sharing that now takes place between teams based on, you know, engine providing. You want a young driver to develop, you can put him in, you know, assist the team essentially. There isn't the same need for that uh, that B team to cultivate driver talent mm. anymore. Uh, and I think if they could kind of reap some money from that, um, they would. And it also wouldn't surprise me if Alpha, you know, if Red Bull wanted to keep AlphaTauri um, in the sport, that they could just use it, you know, um, purely as a sponsorship for Honda or another team, or put it on their car as well. Uh, I don't think there's the need for, for for Red Bull to run two teams anymore. So yeah, I do think that's realistically, um, you know, it's interesting you just asked that question because I was literally thinking about it this week. So mm. that's how to enter it. I would say. I would not be surprised if by the 2025 season, if Honda has bought out AlphaTauri. Well, uh, as a, as another scenario, it could be if they're not letting Andretti start their own team, could they potentially buy a team like AlphaTauri? Andretti? Andretti. Andretti and Cadillac or whoever it is that they partner up with. Yeah. The th- well, there's two things. Number one, it's based in Italy. So the Andretti name in Italy um, wouldn't be the most um, bizarre thing. No. So I think there's there's some relevance there. The only thing that would make me hesitate towards that is that Michael Andretti's goal is to have an American team operating out of America, racing in Formula One. Mm. And um, that wouldn't be the case. So, but uh, realistically, like it doesn't really make economical sense to be based. Even Haas have a office in Maranello. Like Formula One's based in Europe. Like it'll be, I think, to be based yeah, in the getting, US. We're getting to the point now where, like historically, it's good to be based in Europe because there were more just a more European races than any other continent. But we're getting to the point now where there might be a pretty even split between um, European races and non-European races. So we've got three races in America. We've got a few races in Asia. We've got a heap of races in the Gulf. Um, We've got a race in Australia, a few in South America, one in Mexico. I mean, there's going to be three Americans, Mexico, Brazil. There's going to be five races on the American continent now. So from a logistical point of view, you could almost make the argument that it doesn't matter where you're located now, with the exception of Africa, if you're located in Asia, the Middle East or Europe uh, or America, you're probably going to have the same logistical situation anyway. Um, Yeah, it's fair. So I wouldn't say it's as um, relevant to be based in Europe as it was in the past. The biggest thing is if you want to keep if you want to bring in engineers um, yeah. and they have to relocate, that's probably going to be the biggest thing, the uh, relocation of, of engineers. So, but yeah, I don't know. 
Mm. I think you know, there's there's actually two options there. Either Honda buys in to that team or Andretti buys into that team. But I think either way, I don't think Alpha Tauri will be Alpha Tauri, you know, in five years' time. I just don't see how it's viable for Red Bull. They don't really it's essentially a an advertising team for their clothing label. Yeah, but I, I would love to see how much the clothing um the clothing um like enterprise has spiked um based on mm. and actually rebranding as AlphaTauri and the F1 team as well. So interesting. Mm. Let's go from that then to the McLaren Honda scenario. Is it really gonna happen? Do you really think the bridges can be rebuilt between the two groups. Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's, it's pretty much a different organization from back when was it 20, mm. 2015, 2016 or whatever it was. Cause they then went to Renault for two years mm. and then they're back on the Mercedes. I think, um, I think it makes perfect sense because McLaren's not going to compete at the top top end I don't think as a Mercedes team as a Mercedes customer team so I think if they're the only Honda team then I think McLaren our Honda engines are awesome at the moment McLaren do you think we see see them move sooner rather than later like they won't move in 2025 they'll move 2024 it it depends on what's happening with Red Bull because they've still got Honda on on the cars the Ford. How, how, how long is that for? Till twenty twenty five. Yeah, end of twenty five. Because I think the Ford partnership starts in the new regs, so mm. they they could move and to to allow the homologation a little bit easier moving well, forward. That, that, they were saying that even for Honda to be ready by the twenty twenty six season, if they were going to want to team up with McLaren and kind of reestablish that works relationship. They would need to be committed to it within the next three to four months to get everything wow. back. That's what they're saying, to get everything back on line at Honda to rehire the right people um, to kind of look at the new evolution of engine and, and sustainable fuel that they want to use as well within the system. For it to be all systems go again for them, um, they would need to be kind of committed to it and ready to go within the next couple of months at the very least to kind of kickstart again. I wonder, um, yeah. I wonder how much of the IP they're allowed to, cause I know they sold it to Red Bull. Mm. I wonder how much of that they can bring back because other, are they starting from scratch in 26 or are they? Well, it's not, I don't think it's from, I think that I think it would be reasonable to assume that there would be similarities between the engine that, Honda has and um and Red Bull has purchased. I mean, Honda can if they like they've given they've sold the IP to Red Bull. It doesn't mean that they can't reproduce what they were, you know, making. Um, the difference is going to be in the, you know, energy recovery system. I think Red Bull are using their own energy recovery system in 2026, or Ford is going to be producing the energy recovery system in 2026. Um, so that's going to be a point of difference for them. Um, but I would be very surprised if they had a, a big deviation from what's working for them now. Um, or at the very least, weren't using that as their base. How do you feel about Ford coming back? Did we talk about this? I don't think we did. 
Yeah, we spoke about a little bit. I'm I'm all for it. It's not going to be as dramatic as we think. Mm. So they were saying that even though Ford is coming back, it's only in the capacity as the producer of the um, energy recovery system. Okay. Um, because of the money that Red Bull has invested in their own powertrain system, I think, and this is, might be why Porsche pulled out of the deal with Red Bull now that we've heard this, but I think Red Bull only wants their manufacturer to, um, you know, develop the electronics or the energy recovery system. So I think Ford is only producing in that capacity now. They've done it successfully with the EcoBoost engine for, you know, a few iterations in um, of, of car now. So I think that's not going to be an issue for them. They're in early enough to, you know, start working, you know, with the team now really on that future plan. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I hope all I hope is that they're they're in the sport more than just a badge on that car though. Mm. Um, that's that's really it. Like I know that they want to be in the sport, but you know Red Bull has a long history of having token cars, you know, on their team, you know, or branded on the logo, whatever it might be. You know, whether it was Infinity, whether it was Renault. No, Renault was legit. Sorry, but whether it was Infinity. Aston Martin for a time. Um, Do you remember the shithousery when um, they were fighting, arguing with Renault? So what they did was they got Tag Heuer to buy the engines from Renault and then the car was... They just rebadged the... the, They rebadged the Renault engines as Tag Tag. engines. Yeah, like ridiculous. Yeah, so that's that's the only thing. I like. I all I hope is that it's more than just a token gesture. It seems like it won't because they are producing such a fundamental component mm. of the car. Um, and I think another important thing for them is they need a manufacturer, some manufacturer involved, um, even just to, for their engineers to help them understand the new fuel that's going to be used. So I think that they don't. You don't want to lose ties with a manufacturer completely, completely because there are resources, you know, associated with that as well. So mm. it'll be interesting to see. Um, it'll be really interesting. So what would actually be interesting as well if Ford, based on this, decided to produce their own engine, even if it was for IndyCar, because with the new IndyCar engines that are becoming hybrid, as well in twenty twenty four, I think it is. Um, that might give them a bit of understanding of the technology that they want to produce their own for either F1 or IndyCar. So I think that's an interesting mm. proposition to consider. But, um, but yeah. yeah. 100%. Formula 1 is starting to heat up, starting to heat up. We've got a few more releases this week, which will be interesting. We've got Drive to Survive coming up as well. So very quickly, we're going to go from releases to the Drive to Survive to pre-season testing. And before we know it, we're going to be at the first race that's in... Bahrain. Abu Dhabi, Bahrain. Doesn't sound doesn't seem like the proper start to a season, eh? Yeah, what's what's in Australia's contract? I think it's five out of the next ten years we we host the first race. So I reckon next year we'll have the first race. Or we won't have it for five years and then we'll go back to normal after then. Yeah. So mm. we need yeah. We need to have a first race where there's a lot of fans at and mm. unfortunately the golf races don't do that. No. Um, I think believe it there. Happy days. Warming on, mate. It's coming back. 
It's coming back. Um, next week, we actually have an interesting podcast coming up. I'll just give you a little bit of an insight to it now. So Joe is organizing to get two women on the podcast who are purely become interested in Formula One based on Drive to Survive. And he mm-hmm. wants to get their opinion on it, wants to understand their journey into into the sport, which would be quite interesting. Um, but as I always say to finish the podcast, if you have been listening, if you are following in whatever capacity you are supporting our podcast, thank you very much. We appreciate all the support we get. We appreciate, you know, people that continue to listen again and again and again. Um, the your motorsport season continues to ramp up. We've got supercars to talk about in the next few weeks as well. Testing started with that. We started to see the new cars. There's the, there will be discussions about, you know, what the now visible future of supercars looks like for, for, for new manufacturers. So with all of that being said, H, um, thanks so much for tonight. Again, thanks for everyone for listening. Please continue to like, subscribe uh, and share the pod. Love it. Thanks, thanks, thanks mate. On, mate. Good stuff. See you, mate. Yeah.